DraftKings.net. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, 15 minutes or so away from another keyword. Give you a chance to win $1,000. Mistress Brewing and Ankeny sponsors that. Uh, Still to come, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will join us in about a half an hour from now. We'll get back into the NFL uh, with Frank. But right now, he's the voice of Iowa State. They are 2-0 in the Big 12. Uh, Coming off a win over Oklahoma, Texas Tech Saturday afternoon. Coverage on the bus begins at at uh, twelve thirty, kickoff is at two thirty. John Walters joins us. John Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. John, how are you? Doing well, guys. How are you? Doing well. Uh, and I'm guessing it's pretty hard for your fan base not to get excited for where this team may be going, where they may be going conference wise, knowing that they've already got a head to head over TCU and then this past week over Oklahoma. And what I like about it, John, from where Iowa State sits, is yep, there was an Oklahoma win. Uh, but Coach Campbell did not, even walking off the field, uh, he was, um, he didn't think they played their best football game. Uncharacteristically sloppy penalty wise. I'm guessing that will get his team's attention this week. Yeah, he's been really good, Ken, at following up, uh, kind of big victories within the program over the last, you know, four years with good performances coming back the next week. I think he's, he's got a real talent for keeping his guys focused in those situations. Um, you know, during his time at Iowa State, they're four and one in games immediately within a season following a win over a top 25 team. So I think he's always been pretty good at kind of regaining the focus, understanding that it was far from perfection, and there were too many penalties. He's the first to, to say that, and you know, so it's good to, to get a good win over a really good opponent. I think Iowa State's beaten two of the best teams in the Big 12, mm-hmm. and know that you still have a lot of room for improvement. And I think he legitimately does feel that Iowa State still has plenty of room for improvement. And so it is exciting. But, you know, just like you don't want to get too too low after that opening loss to Louisiana, you don't want to get too high after a big, big win. And um, you got to stay grounded and understand there's a really hungry Texas Tech team coming in here on Saturday. You know, John, we talked a lot yesterday about the second half of the game, the adjustments that Heacock and the defense made and just how good they were. But down 17-6 there in the second quarter, Watching from my vantage point, didn't feel like Iowa State was out of it, that Oklahoma was that much better. Just had to clean some things up. From your vantage point, did you did you ever see any concern, any, any doubt that started to creep in down 11 there in the second quarter? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it, at that point, Oklahoma was really moving the football, and Rattler looked great. Mm-hmm. He was so slippery, and you know, you were getting a pass rush, but you just couldn't get him down. He was so good at slipping out of trouble. Um, but as the game went on, I think, and Coach Haycock typically does this, he's not going to bring his full pressure package right away at the start of a game. He's going to see what he can do with a three-man rush. And that's had a lot of success at times this season, including against TCU. But, you know, as we found out Saturday against Oklahoma and a really good offensive line, Iowa State needed to bring a few extra guys. And, you know, it was late in the game when they started rushing uh, Mike Rose and, and some of the linebackers, Jake Hummel, came on a few blitzes. And they were able to get some pressure on Rattler and get him off his, 
you know, out of his game a little bit. And, um, you know, it's just kind of a process that takes place over the course of a game. But I think you're right, Trent. You know, Oklahoma had the ball with that 17-6 to lead and had a drive going, and Iowa State was able to thwart that. And, you know, you just hate to dig yourself too deep of a hole. It's happened before, certainly. But um, I think that stop that they got in the first half to get the ball back and then get that lead back within a reasonable margin by halftime was uh, was really big. Mm. You know what else has been really big, John, is getting Charlie Kohler back in the uh, in the starting lineup. On, I mean, they didn't have him in week number one. And in his game this past week, yeah, he did some stuff against TCU, but against Oklahoma, just the height advantage, and, and Purdy knows that he can throw the ball up. And even if Kohler maybe doesn't catch it, as we saw, there's – you know, pretty good chance that maybe the flag's going to come out, and they did a couple of times this past weekend. I know Kohler gets a lot of credit nationally uh, for his uh, skill and his ability and what he brings to the team. It was very apparent on Saturday night. Yeah, I think Bradley Hiles is still having some nightmares about that. trying to defend him. Um, it, it was hard for him with that height disadvantage, and uh, certainly Charlie's a huge part of the Iowa State passing game, and we've seen that. And, and it's a comfort zone for Brock Purdy to know that Charlie's out there. You know, you think about some of the just little six-yard outs that they get on first down to get themselves ahead of the chains a little bit. He's, you know, then then he does start making some catches down the field as he gets healthier. We saw that this past week. I think as he gets healthier each week, he'll become more and more a part of the passing game. But the big thing, too, is it, it gives that three tight end look that Iowa State needs to have so much success in the run game. And when you look at the runs that Brees Hall had on Saturday, a lot of times all three tight ends were in the game. And as Matt Campbell calls it, the multiplicity to be able to move those guys around, um, get in the position where they feel like they've got the line of scrimmage to their advantage, and then turn Brees loose uh, has been really, really good. He's the leading rusher in the Big 12. And I think, you know, week one, he struggled a little bit, even though he did have a 100-yard game. But I think week two and week three, getting Kohler back, having that three tight end package available has really helped the Iowa State ground game as well. Speaking of the ground game, we've seen a lot of great Iowa State running backs throughout the years. Of course, David Montgomery recently go way back to the 70s and Dexter Green, Blaze Bryant, the Davis brothers, on and on and on. We could play this game for a long time. Brees Hall, he's moving up that list. How high can he go? It just feels like there's something about him always going forward, the power that he has combined with the speed. It feels like he's the full package at the running back spot. You know, I think that's a great way to put it. It's power. It's it's better speed than you expect. I think his best run on Saturday was that first down run where there were three defenders there from Oklahoma, and somehow he still sprinted around them to the corner and got that eight yards on uh, third and six from the 11-yard line. It was just a great run uh, and shows you that he is quicker than I think people realize, but it's also his vision. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. he is really good at a lot of different things, and he has great hands. Uh, you know, you, you can't really identify anything that he does poorly. He picks up uh, blitzes as well. He's a good blocker. He's outstanding. He's a very complete player. Yeah, he's a very complete player. I think that's um, what makes him so special. And, you know, is he the best at every one of those areas? Maybe not, but, it's you know, he's still up there toward the top of the list in every category that you want from a running back. And so uh, I do think he's going to be up there by the time it's all said and done with those other guys you mentioned. And, He's wearing that number 28 very, very well. And 
you know, 16 touchdowns in his last 11 games. That's Jeez. that's pretty amazing. Is that the number? I didn't realize that. John, you hit it. I, his pass pro to me, and this goes back even when his freshman campaign, he's in the right spot. He's willing to take on a blitzing linebacker and give Purdy a little bit of extra time. I also love the way he he, he kind of hesitates behind the line of scrimmage. You talked about his vision. Uh, he certainly uh, waits for his hole to develop in that little crease. Uh, they've got something there. They really do. I also think they've got something in Xavier Hutchinson, who arrived with a whole lot of accolades. And, you know, Pur- Purdy seemed to lean on him a little bit early with Kohler being out, understandably so. Uh, he didn't catch a lot of balls, but obviously the, the long touchdown will be one that you remember, and Purdy re- put it right where it had to be. Hutchinson, too, they've got something in this kid. I think they do. And and maybe just starting to scratch the surface of what he's going to be able to do in an Iowa State uniform. And generally with junior college guys, it, it, you know, it's midway through that first year that they're on campus before you really see them take off. I think if you look back at, you know, the history of success of Iowa State junior college players, guys like Tim Dobbins, you know, it, it, it took a little while. But um, I think with Xavier, he is – uh, we're starting to see that improvement every single week. And, you know, he's got a really talented quarterback throwing him the ball. But, you know, good good size at 6'3", uh, strength. And I think the combination of he and Sean Sean is they can get Tariq Melton healthy again. That would really help. Um, we saw Tariq have one big explosive play, and it certainly helped against Oklahoma, but getting him back on the field on a regular basis. You know, you look back at week one, what did Iowa State struggle in most? They they just couldn't hit any big plays. They didn't have a play longer than 19 yards in that loss to Louisiana. Uh, they tried to force it into Hutchinson, somebody who was well defended. Louisiana's D-backs did a great job. Uh, but I think the offense is just starting to open up now with Hall, Kohler, some of these key ingredients coming back, and hopefully Milton here very soon. But once you have them all on the field, then it's kind of a pick-your-poison deal, and now you're starting to see the explosive plays uh, jump up quite a bit for Iowa State. And it, that was a huge part of their offense a year ago. I think they finished eighth in the nation last year in plays of 10 yards or longer. So um, they've hit some explosive plays in the past, and they're starting to show that they can do that again. Exciting part about it, too, is Brock Purdy certainly has not played his best football. The guy we saw the first couple of years on campus Look at a couple of throws that he made against Oklahoma. Very easily could have been picked off. He's 38th in the country right now in yards per attempt. And remember, we have four conferences that aren't even playing right now. That 38th number, a little bit alarming there. What are you seeing with Purdy? Just not looking as sharp as the guy we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Uh, You know, he's always going to have a little bit of a gunslinger uh, mentality to him. And, um, you know, he even talked to the TV announcers. You heard them reference it during the the Mm -hmm. game that, you know, the, the freshman Brock Purdy would make that throw. The junior Brock Purdy has right. to learn not to make that throw. And, and and I think that is an ongoing process with him. But he's such a competitor, you know, and, and he wants to make a play. And so uh, you don't want to reel it in too much. So, um, you know, I think with Brock, it's just finding that, that balance between um, making the safe throws at times, but also the willingness to make a throw. And we've seen him complete a bunch through the years that felt like impossible throws that got through to Kohler or whoever else on the other end of them. So you don't want to completely take that away. I, I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, the, the players around him, uh, there's enough playmakers there that, that Brock doesn't have to do it all himself this year. Uh, he, he can kind of spread the ball around and get a lot of different guys involved. 
And I think he'll uh, continue to get better and better as the season goes on. Help us out with the Big 12 overall, John, from what you've seen two weeks into it. Um, obviously, Oklahoma is looking for their first win. Oklahoma State getting a lot of love, but West Virginia and Kansas. West Virginia's got a pulse. That was a nice win over Baylor uh, the, the other day. Two teams that, um, you know, that they put up. It was, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, K-State's K-State, and I see Kleiman just got extended again. Um, help us out with the Big 12. From what you've seen two weeks into to it. Iowa State right there, and as Trent said yesterday, I thought it was a good point. With the wins over TCU and Oklahoma, it'd be a great deal of disappointment if, if Iowa State doesn't get to Dallas based on this start right now. But the rest of the conference in your mind, John, what have you seen? Yeah, it's just going to be a crazy year because, you know, how many people were ready to write off Kansas State uh, a couple weeks ago when they got beat right. by Arkansas State? And then, you know, Coach Kleiman is an excellent coach. Um, I really like Deuce Vaughn, the running back. I think he's very explosive. They're going to be in this thing. And, you know, the, the amazing thing is after Texas plays Oklahoma this weekend, you know, either Oklahoma's going to be 0-3 or both those teams are going to be 1-2 and in, in the league race. And, you know, that's really hard to even fathom. Mm-hmm. But uh, Oklahoma State certainly, um, especially if Spencer Sanders can get back healthy, although the freshman Ellingsworth is playing well. Good. Um, you know, I, I think they're. A, I think they're certainly a factor. Um, I think TCU is a really good team, and I felt that after Iowa State beat them down there, it was their opener. I think it was fortunate for Iowa State to catch them in their opener, I do uh, because I think, especially with a healthy Duggan, uh, they're a team to be, be dealt with throughout this conference race. So it's going to be fascinating. Um, you know, everybody traditionally says Texas and Oklahoma, but you know, this year with those two teams kind of stumbling out of the gate a little bit. It really opens the door for the entire league, mm-hmm. and you could probably put a blanket over six or seven teams right now and say, you know, two of these teams are going to get to the Big 12 championship, but your guess is as good as mine which two they're going to be. Texas Tech this week for Iowa State 230 kickoff. Alan Bowman, we will await nothing broken, nothing fractured, according to Matt Wells yesterday during the teleconference. What have you seen as you're starting to prepare for Texas Tech? Yeah, they're you know they're uh, a, a team that relies more on the ground game certainly than they did with Cliff Kingsbury, and they have a couple of really good running backs. Roderick Thompson's excellent. Um, they're, they're more physical, I think, than Texas Tech teams have been in the past. But I, I think you still go to the same formula. And Matt Campbell's four and zero against Texas Tech, and he's always had a hundred yard rusher in this game. Uh, keep the ball on the ground, shoot some clock, keep the ball away from their offense, and. You know, obviously, you've got the running back to do that this year. So, um, you know, if Iowa State's offensive line can win some battles up front, and, and I think there are going to be times where certainly Texas Tech is going to load the box and, and try to force Purdy to beat him with a pass, but you feel pretty good about that, too, with Brock Purdy at the controls. So, you know, I, I think offensively, Iowa State has to be really sound, and then they got to tackle well in this game. You know, Texas Tech's really good at breaking tackles and turning short plays into big plays, and uh, they do hit a lot of explosive plays. So you got to you got to really be sound defensively and tackle well. But, um, you know, I, I feel like Iowa State will play well. As I mentioned earlier, Matt's really good in these situations. Uh, the thing you worry about most is coming off a big win, just kind of letting down. I'll, I'll be surprised if this team does that. I go back to 2017 when Iowa State beat Oklahoma in Norman. Uh, you come back home, Kyle Kemp's, you know, second start is going to be against Kansas at home. And it would have been real easy to kind of let down there. Uh, but Iowa State won 41 to nothing, and I thought – it was pretty impressive the way they performed in that game coming off a win like that. So, you know, if this team has an edge to it still and is focused and sharp, 
I think they have a great chance to get to uh, 3-0 in the league on Saturday. Mm, and then a bye, and then uh, all eyes on the 24th and that trip to Stillwater. Uh, John, last thing for you. There was an announcement yesterday. Uh, Jamie Pollard made it that apparently 10%, roughly 10% capacity at Hilton uh, is what they're thinking at this point, which is, what, just under 1,500 fans uh, in Hilton for the upcoming season. Yeah, and, and Jamie made the point last night on our Cyclone Coaches Corner that certainly – you know, that's the, that's the projection now. And I think you said the key word there with now, you know, things change so fast with this disease and with everything that happens around it. So, you know, that might not end up being the number when we get to the actual season, but at least at this point, they're trying to give fans something of an idea of what they can expect. And they're not going to sell season tickets. So they've Mm -hmm. got to kind of sort through how they're going to do the the 1500 or whatever the number is that are allowed into games. You know, I think, I think we saw with football though, Ken, this Saturday that, um, some fans are, are better than no fans. No question. And, you know, it, just the amount of energy that 14,000 people brought to that stadium on Saturday night was unbelievable to me. I, I, was, I was stunned. The, 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 the difference in the energy in the stadium between the Louisiana game and that game were night and day. And um, so just even a small spattering of fans can make a big, big difference. And I hope that some fans are able to enjoy the basketball season because Hilton Coliseum is one of the great places for college basketball. And if it's completely empty, uh, it's really going to feel different. Indeed it is. John, thanks, sir, uh, for popping on. We appreciate it, John Walters. Yep, thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. John Walters, the voice of Iowa State, as we talk a little clones. Yeah, 1,500 could be weird. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's all weird. Everything's weird. Right, everything is, is weird. Yeah. How, I mean, how, how about that task? Of all the, I mean, there's some crazed Iowa State basketball fans that have been supporting that program forever. How are you going to delve or divvy up those tickets? Got to get some students in there. You have to, right? For sure. I don't know what that number is. Two hundred, maybe. So, so say you're down to now twelve hundred and fifty tickets. Mm-hmm. Twelve hundred tickets. Hmm. Do not want to be in charge of that. Can you imagine the phone no. calls he's going to have to field? I've done all this for this many years, and I'm not even. Eesh. It's 2020. That's got to be the mm-hmm. uh, the reminder every single time. All right, we'll come back. Here's what we'll do. Okay, let's keep. Uh, how many of the the starting quarterbacks today mm-hmm. will be the starting quarterback for their team in three years? Three years. Okay. So we won't call him a French because you got him. He, he can't throw Brady and Bree. Well, I think you can throw Breeze out. I would throw Breeze out. Breeze is out. Brady? I, three years? I don't think he's got three years, Trent. He's got a couple. Yeah. I See, I'm, I'm trying to make a case to not throw Aaron Rodgers. You can't throw Aaron right, Rodgers right. out. I mean, he's playing so well. My God. Four touchdowns with uh, spare parts. Right. Uh, we'll take a time out. Before we do that, it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000. BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. I'm Miller and Condon. Going to talk some NFL in no 15 minutes or so with Frank Schwab from YahooSports.com. We take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.0. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO.
Brian Miller and Condon, 1130 on a Tuesday morning. If you missed this hour's keyword, it is bills to 200-200. Bills to 200-200. Chance to win $1,000. Frank Schwab coming up in about oh, 10 minutes or so. YahooSports.com. Let's do a good long NFL segment here, Trent mm-hmm. Condon. Uh, you know, we're just... We've been talking about this uh, throughout the morning, just uh, the the quarterback change and all the young guns that are coming into the league and uh, with the group, Lawrence and Fields and Lance, probably three quarterbacks that will see their names called in April in the top 12. And the turnover at the position is and I think something that maybe escapes. I mean, if you've got a quarterback, look at the Packers for crying out loud. Yep. From Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. That never happens. Ever. Quarter of a century. It's crazy, right? You're in good shape. I have been on this thing for 40 years. Yes. I still have yet to Longer see Longer than a quarter of a century. Yeah, right. It's going on three decades. Mm-hmm. Probably when it's all told. That's how long they're going to have with Since that. he replaced the magic man, Don Mikowski. Who wasn't awful himself. No. Number seven? Was he number yes. seven? He was number yeah. seven, right? Had that beautiful mullet. As a Canadian lad, I'm sure you <laughs> loved seeing that blonde locks flying I out the back. I don't remember that. Got them to the playoffs. When I was growing up in the 80s, the Packers were Awful. Terrible. Just a brutal. Yep. They play a couple games in Milwaukee every year. Yep. and Awful. As a Bears fan, oh, yeah, that team that wears the weird yellow and green, mm-hmm. what combination is that? Well, they think you are John Deere out there. They're terrible. <laughs> right. But Lindy Infante and the Magic Man got him to the playoffs. It was Lindy Infante, wasn't it? Yeah. I think that first yeah. uh, playoff run that they had. Seems right. It was also at the end of the Dicka era. One of my most vivid memories of that time was Mikowski passed the line of scrimmage on a throw there wasn't a flag thrown. And no replay at the time. So he put, had them put in their media guide an asterisk next to that game. And the season, Ditka did. Yes, Ditka had that happen. The next season they went 5-11. and 11, He was out. But <laughs> it was uh, the beginning of the end. The Ditka, boy, at the end of things. And then just remembering him, too. What happened? Yeah. Going to New Orleans. All right, giving up the whole Ricky. draft. The wedding dress. Unbelievable. But we're talking quarterbacks here in the Magic Band. By the way, band. New Orleans is about to get hit with another hurricane. Did I you see? Really I did. just saw that on Twitter. Anyways, yeah. Somebody hit us up on Twitter saying uh, keep an eye on those SEC games this weekend. You're looking to play some totals maybe? Oh, because of the weather? Because of the weather. Interesting. Maybe jump in early. Rain, you can get through. Rain. Wind, yeah, though? tough to throw a ball in yeah. the rain. But they're still usually scoring. Mm-hmm. The biggest impact in terms of totals is wind. That's what you want to look at. Let's get back to the quarterbacks, because I'm interested to go through this exercise. All right, so there's 32. we got to zip through them. So Buffalo's yeah. got their quarterback for the they next do. three years, right? The Patriots we're, don't. We're going division by division. Yes. Okay. So let's keep track. So have you got a pen? Yep, yep. All right, so one. Uh, Dolphins, do they? Yes. Okay, I'm with you. Do this, here's the interesting one. Do the Jets and Sam Darnold? No. I agree. Uh, Pittsburgh doesn't. Uh, Baltimore does. How long? Well, well, you went right past Roethlisberger. You don't think he has three years? I don't think so, man. Oh, I, I think he's still got three. Eli's done. Rivers is cooked. How old is he? It's got to be 36. I don't think he does. I don't think he has three years he's left. He's 38. He's 38. There He'll you be go. 39 in March. Yeah, wow. he doesn't have no, three years no, left. I'm with you now. Okay, Baltimore does. Yes. Cleveland, Baker Mayfield? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I, I say think. yes. Okay. Joe Burrow for sure. Yes, that's we're up to five. Now here we get in. to the AFC South, and I think we're gonna have three no's and a yes. Tennessee, Tannehill. Yes, you do. Yes, you think he's there? Here's a quarterback next three years. They gave him a what forty-five year deal, whatever that was. Okay, um, they're three and zero. Yeah, I know. Went to the championship game a year ago. Uh, Colts. No, 
No. Jacksonville, Minshew? Three years, no. They're going to stink, Trent. They're going to get one of the three kids. Yeah. Uh, Houston does. Yes. Should we, do we debate the Chiefs? <laughs> no. It's an easy one. Uh, Raiders, Derek Carr? Yes. No. No, no. for me. No okay. for me. All right. Uh, Chargers. With a capital yes. Y, and I was dead wrong on Justin Herbert. He can play. Uh, the Broncos? No. You don't think Locke's there no. in three years? So Rippon's going to beat him out. No, exactly. It'll be somebody else. Okay. That'll be that. Uh, how many, so how many AFC? Uh, we're between the two of us, around nine. It's We've more than disagreed than a few. Yeah. More than I would have thought. Interesting division here. NFC East. Wentz? No. Haskins? No. Prescott? Yes. Jones? Yeah. I'm with you. Two, two teams there. Three years from now. Rodgers? Yes. Bears, no. <laughs> Stafford? No. I'm with you. Cousins? No. So one. Um, Brady? No. No. Breeze? No. No. Teddy? Yes. You're going to give it to Bridgewater. I like to I love too. Teddy. I like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. How about that win against Arizona? Yeah, I didn't see that coming. They've won two straight now. They have. Matt Rule? Maybe this guy knows how to coach, mm-hmm. huh? Yes for Teddy? Yes for Teddy. No for Matt Ryan, though. No for Matt Ryan. Not three years Here's from now. Here's the division that I'm, there's three for sure, I think. Uh, Russell Wilson. Yes. Goff. Yes. Kyler. Yes. Jimmy G. No. You Shanahan don't? likes that new shiny object. Mm-hmm. He's always been infatuated with Mullins. We knew he has drafted Ma- Has Beathard Mullins lost his, his gig as a backup? Beathard was really good. He was. Uh, he was really good. We also know the with limitations the of CJ. Yeah, true. With the exception of, I don't know why he threw, tried to hit that pass to Kittle on the yeah. two. Trent, he could have walked in. Not run. run, he could have walked in. So, half the league? So, we're at seven. So we, a little more than half the league. We 16, we're right, yeah. Nine in the AFC, seven we had in the NFC. With no Jimmy G, and, and there's arguments to be made, but about half the teams will be in the quarterback help wanted era within the next three years. And, and a bad season very quickly can change things. Just look at what happened with the Colts. You have Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. a one injury to him, a season long injury. And look what happened. You're awful, and here comes the yep. number one pick. Right. Who could that team be? And not for Trevor Lawrence this year, but say two years down the line. Team that's rolling along, everything's looking good. Maybe it is even Aaron Rodgers, and he has a devastating injury. These types of things happen. That is a very real possibility. Well, who's the we most likely to get Lawrence in your mind this year? Can you put Atlanta in the conversation? Ah, Are the two teams from NY? I mean, the Jets are awful. Yes. Awful. They're really, really bad. Yeah, they They're are the really front bad. runner. I think so, too, because I, I think the Giants got a little bit of a pulse. And here's the good news for the Giants. is well, The good and bad news, if you want a new quarterback... You're in the right division because that division is awful. awful. What's it take? What's going to be? Well, you said the other day what three and three and thirteen or four and twelve to get, to get the, the number one pick to get the number. I think three and thirteen. See, I don't. Even, I don't know if three's going to get it. It might be two and fourteen because yeah. the Jets try to find three wins for that. You can't. I don't think. You I can. think you struggle to find two, and then Darnold's out, or do you? Yeah, not trade. They're not trading that pick. Anyways, we'll get Frank Schwab in here, uh, get his opinion. What do you think? You want to take a break? Oh uh, no, we, we'll keep it right here. We'll okay. get Frank in just a moment. Um, what's it take to win the NFC East? The Cowboys are hyster- historically bad defensively. Seven and nine, seven eight and one, seven eight and one. 
to six Tricky. nine and one. Get it for the Eagles. Six no, nine. No, you got. You're gonna have to win seven games. Seven games. I think you got to win seven. What did the Seahawks get in that one year? Seven and nine, and yeah. they had, they hosted the Bears. No, they hosted someone before they went to take on the Bears. Right. right. Yeah, because they upset. That was the Marshawn Lynch game. Because they beat At the Rams in Week nine. 17 in the night game to get to seven and nine. Ugh. One. Who did they be? Was it Arizona? Remember. It could have been. I, I don't recall. I just recall how bad it was and how what the uproar that how was this team? Six night and one. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. Dude. Oh, I would love to see a division. <laughs> and then they get to host a playoff game. game. Yeah. NFL's been fun. NFL's been fun. 25% of the way through the season. We've had a couple of uh, outbreaks, as, as, as we know. Tennessee, uh, Goodell sent out a uh, strong, strong letter yesterday to the extent that um, you keep messing up here. Uh, draft picks are on the tables. You, you, know, you know, I was thinking this the other day, and I meant to ask Bama this. You know, every team has a get-back coach, right? Got a get back coach or, uh, Paul Rhodes had that, uh, Paul Rhodes had the guy that wandered that, that stood behind him the entire game that was the, yeah. the headset guy. Are we going to see a mask coach? Oh, that's a really good point. Well, with the fines that are being handed out. Fi- and the draft picks now that are going to be mm-hmm. flying out the window. Get back coach might be a thing in the past. We might see a mask coach. Some of the alerts the mask coach that the head coach is on TV. They're showing him during the broadcast. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Frank Trenton Ken. Thanks for coming on, Frank Schwab. This is kind of a silly topic, but will we see a mask coach similar to what we see in a get back coach as we get through this COVID-19 and with draft picks uh, apparently on the table if these uh, teams continue to uh, these coaches flaunt the uh, mask, uh, non-wearing of the mask. <laughs> uh, at very least, they should have one with the Raiders because yeah. John Gruden just can't do it. He I won't look. I mean, it, it's it sounds silly. It really does. And you know, the Raiders getting fined their players for being at the event without masks. And you know, to some people, that that's crazy. And the NFL's overstepping its bounds. But at the other hand. Then, okay, if you don't want that, then we can't complain about games getting canceled either. Like, it just has to be this way. They have to be so vigilant to keep these numbers down. We saw what one positive test mm-hmm. did for the Patriots-Chiefs game. I mean, it, it, it was touch and go there for a while, and it had to get delayed a day, and the Patriots had to – that's for one positive test out of 2,400 players, 2,500 players. I mean, they, they have to be so incredibly vigilant. And, you know, it just makes me mad when, you know, I hear, I see people on social media who just want to rip the NFL and say, oh, the NFL didn't have a plan. How could they? No, the NFL had a plan. They can't outrun a virus. The NFL is not strong enough to overcome a virus. They can't eliminate COVID-19. There are going to be positive tests. The NFL's job is to handle a situation when there are tests, which I, you know, they did as well as they could. And to minimize the positive tests. And one of the ways to minimize tests is just everybody, you know, any violations like this, there has to be heavy punishment. And I, I guess, you know, I mean, it, it, again, it sounds silly, but if, the, if you want NFL games to be played on schedule for the rest of the year, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be enforced. I'm with you. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. So, Frank, I know there was some discussion, uh, at least this weekend, about the NFL needs to hit pause, and I don't believe they need to hit pause. But do they need to maybe build in, if needed, that extra week at the end of the season and push everything back? I know that logistically that's going to be some problems, though I don't believe that the NFL has told Tampa to hold that building. I don't know what else would be in it until the end of February, that if we have to push the Super 
Super Bowl back a week. Uh, have you heard anything along those lines that they may build in some wiggle room at the end of the season? Was that a talker yesterday? I don't know. I mean, I think they should have. I think they should have just built in an extra bye week this year. I don't know why they didn't, to be honest. But here we are, and you know, it's kind of one of those. What do you do now? And I think pausing the season is just why. Why? I mean, again, this. If you're going to play football, if you make the decision, hey, we are going to have a season, you have to expect some weird things to happen. You have to expect some teams are going to get the short end of the stick. The Patriots yesterday, I know nobody's crying for the Patriots, but the Patriots <laughs> really were up against it. I mean, they look, but that's just going to happen. This is just the way things go. The Steelers are going to suddenly just have a game canceled on them because the Titans have all these positive tests. Pausing the season doesn't do any good. COVID-19 is not going to be, if you pause it three weeks, we're going to have a virus in three weeks. Nothing changes. You just have to basically manage this as well as you can. I don't. The one thing that the one thing I question, though, like let's say the Titans, let's say they have more tests, they can't play on Sunday. Then what happens? Do they just play 15 games this year? Do they have to forfeit? I think that that's the next question. You know, with when we we have tests and players have to sit out, we saw it happen with the, the Falcons rookie cornerback AJ Terrell, and a much more higher profile case of Cam Newton. These things are just going to happen. Teams are going to lose key players, and it's they, you basically just have to treat it like you know Cam Newton had a hamstring injury. I know it's not the same, but that's the way teams have to treat it. That's the way games have to go on. I, I, any anything people come up with about pausing the season or, or doing this or doing that, it doesn't eliminate the virus. It doesn't mean that everything goes away and you've solved everything in two weeks. If that was the case, yes, do it. Otherwise, you just got to figure that, that these weird things are going to keep happening, and this is going to be a season unlike any other we've ever seen. An offensive surge here four weeks in, averaging 51.3 points per game, the all-time high since the merger was at 48 points a couple of years back. A myriad of different factors here, Frank, that you can point to. The way games are being refereed, not as much time working on tackling, no home field advantage. What do you give the uh, the biggest credence to for this offensive surge that we're seeing right now in the NFL? You know, I think it's it, it's mostly two things. And one is just the emphasis, the rules. I, I mean, there's you can't. It's so hard to be a, a defensive back anymore. It's just <laughs> every every incompletion on third and ten, you just wait. You're just waiting for the flag. Like this, that's just the way the NFLs play. That's the way they, they want scoring up. So I think that they've they've accomplished that. You know, whether it's good or bad is debatable, but that's it. And then second, I just think it, it's it, this is one kind of thing, but it's a combination of. The NFL getting smarter about offensive football. I mean, they, you see a lot of these coaches coming in with new ideas where, as you know, even as of a few years ago, Chip Kelly came in and, look, I'm not sitting here standing on a table for Chip Kelly anymore. But we look in retrospect, and Chip Kelly was kind of laughed out of the league, but he was starting a revolution of RPOs, tempo, uh, spread stuff. Now you see a lot more coaches not so, you know, they're not getting mocked for doing that. They're not going to run up the middle twice and pass on third down and hope to get it. There's a lot of, of offensive, I don't want to say genius in the game, but a lot of very, very smart offensive coaches, a lot of guys who aren't scared to use the quote-unquote college, you know, college schemes to, because they work. RPOs work. Spread offense works. I mean, even in the NFL. And, you know, and, and also on top of that, I think quarterback play is as good as it's ever been. We see some of these kids coming in. Yep. Joe Burrow. He's a star. Herbert. They're, I mean, these guys are coming in right away, and, and, and they're not phased. It doesn't take them you know, two, three years to get used to it. They're coming in playing well right away. Mahomes, Lamar, I mean, uh, Kyler Murray, all these young guns. 
to go with, you know, Rodgers having a resurgence. Quarterback play has never been better. Coaching has never been better. And the NFL, you know, officiating-wise, wanted scoring. Here it is. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, Joe Burrow. I can't get enough watching the, of all things the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going he's to bring fun. a lot of eyeballs to that franchise. He's fun to watch. So you just mentioned Herbert, who I, is way better in the NFL than I thought he was going to be coming out of college. I missed on him uh, after a couple of weeks. I know I'm going to be wrong there. Yeah, me too. Well, uh, what about Miami, Frank? What about the pressure now on two? I mean, they're one and three. Baltimore, or Baltimore, Buffalo's unbeaten. They look as they're clearly legit. Uh, that their time is their window is open and they, they belong where they are, which is on top of the East. Is there pressure starting to mount on the Dolphins to get to it in once you see what Herbert's doing, once you see what Burrow is doing? Yeah, and it, it all comes down to, and they've kind of dodged it. They haven't been very forthright about how healthy is Tua Tagovailoa. I, I always mispronounce his name. I'm just going to call him Tua. We know who we're talking about. So how healthy is Tua? And even Brian Flores on Monday basically said, that was my son. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him out there right away. That leads me to believe that they're still worried about re-injury. If this is simply one of those old-school, hey, quarterbacks got to hey, take a red shirt season, that is so outdated. Carson Carson Palmer was 17 years ago. Like, it just doesn't happen that way anymore. You see Burrow, you see Herbert. They, 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 there's no learning curve anymore. It's just the information age. These kids are coming really ready to play. I don't think Tua needs that, but if he needs it for health-wise, okay, that's a different story. Like, uh, but but we don't have a clear, uh, you know, a clear picture of is Tua 100 percent? Is he 90? Is he 80? We just don't know. So I think if they're being smart, if it's just one of those, hey, we don't think he's fully 100 percent yet. Let's let's just this is the franchise future. Let's make sure. Then okay, I get that. But if they're just doing this dumb thing, we're going to sit him all year, I, I don't agree with that. I think he's got to play to learn, and I think he would inject some life into that Dolphins franchise. Uh, Frank, we're up against a break. Thanks for popping on, Frank Schwab. Look forward to speaking with you again. We will certainly, before the Big Ten starts plays, we want to get your take on your Badgers, <laughs> uh, without Jack Cohn, perhaps, uh, but maybe it's Ugh. the uh, Graham Mertz era will begin. Thank you, Frank Schwab. We appreciate it. Yep, appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Our final time up. We'll come back, finish things up. We've got a whole lot of baseball, first of which gets underway at 1 o'clock. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.com. Minutes of the program, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. First name that pops into your head, only one. MVP after four weeks of the NFL is who? Aaron Rodgers. I agree. Yep, I agree. Okay. Josh Allen. Yeah, I only get one. Josh Allen's been good. Russell Wilson's been good. The answer is Aaron Rodgers. Look what he's throwing to. Right? Not much. <laughs> uh, so baseball today, we've got four games. One yeah. of them uh, gets underway. The Atlanta-Miami series um, gets underway. Is there one series you're looking more forward to than the others? It's the Padres-Dodgers. You want to see that one? I do. The way they cobble this together, the way mm-hmm. Tingler puts his team. They're fun. They're brash. Yep. They play the way baseball that I like to see it. Even I'm old school in a lot of things. I also like to see guys having fun. Yep. And that's no, what I'm with you, the Padres do. Yep. That's uh, that's certainly at the top of my list. Plus, it's the Padres uniforms. You know I am the self-proclaimed uniforms are of Des Moines, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they are a number one, the brown and the golds. It is so good together. Dodgers-Padres for me. How about you? Uh, probably, yeah, that's probably the series yeah. for, for me, too. What time does that start? Before 9, right? Yeah, it's 8.30. Good. 
830 FS1. FS1. So ESPN is done now. After having a slew of games last week, mm. so many they had to put them on ABC. Right now, you're out. It's, it's. I mean, you kind of. I think people are starting to get used to it, but baseball playoffs, TBS and FS1. Right, right, right. Yeah, it does sound a little bit weird, but that's where we're at anyway. So it's going to be fun. We'll talk about those tomorrow. Of course, Cappy's going to be here tomorrow about eleven oh five. He will join us. Rebuild. Oh, it seems like it's time. We'll get Cappies. We'll pick his brain on that. White Sox as well. They're off season. And the Chicago Bears, who play on Thursday night, hosting the Packers from 3-0 and when you woke up until Sunday morning till 3-2 and when you hit the sack on Thursday night. It's a quick turnaround. It is. Uh, Murph and Andy will be in here at 2. The Fanatics will be in here at 4. I believe Cyclones, uh, they're Randy Peterson, Travis Hines. What do they call that? Cyclone, Cyclone Insider. Is insider tonight at 6 o'clock. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. 1460, 106.3 FM.